Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. I hope all of you out there in the world are being safe. I hope all of you out there are taking good care of yourselves during this pandemic and making good, smart, and careful decisions. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, there are a lot of things in the sports world taking place nowadays. The NBA playoffs are going on, and they are super freaking entertaining right now at this moment. And it's just the conference semifinals at this point. Um, the NFL draft just took place this past this past Thursday into into last Saturday, and I was very very excited about that. Which brings me to a few teams that I want to talk about as far as the NFL draft goes, and and the these four teams that I want to talk about have either put themselves in better position to head in the right direction two or three years from now to eventually become a playoff team, or they have bettered their roster to put themselves in position to possibly get back to a Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl in general. And one of those teams that I want to talk about very quickly is the Kansas City Chiefs. With the Kansas City Chiefs, as we all know, the Kansas City Chiefs have hosted the last four AFC Championship games. They've been to the last. They've been to at least three of the last five Super Bowls, and Kansas City felt like they needed to upgrade at certain positions. They lost Tyran Matthew to free agency. They lost Tyree Kill via trade, and they felt like they had to make the moves that they had to make to better their roster which is why they went out and they got Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington. They went on to improve their pass rush by getting George Karloftis to add to Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram. They went out and to replace, in order to replace Tyreek Hill, they went out and got Sky Moore, wide receiver out of Western Michigan, who I really, really liked. And they also went out and got Brian Cook, safety out of Cincinnati, to add to the depth of having Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed, who they signed in free agency from the Houston Texans, they they signed Brian Cook to add more depth to that safety position. And also, offensive line-wise, which, by the way, they're, which, by the way, the Chiefs are going to be in negotiations with Orlando Brown Jr. very soon for a long-term contract. To add to their offensive line, what did they do? They went out and got... Darian Kennard out of Kentucky. So I like what the Chiefs did. They just continued to add and uh, to add more young talent. Not only adding more young talent to the roster that they already have, but filling holes that they felt like they needed to fill in order to get back to the Super Bowl or get back to winning the AFC West. The Chiefs did a really, really good job. That really, really good job. They did a solid job, and I really, really like where they're headed. Next up, the Denver Broncos. As we all know, the Denver Broncos went and got Russell Wilson via trade. The Broncos, the way that roster is built right now, it is absolutely scary how 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 well built that roster is. And to add to that, what did the Broncos do? They went out and got Nick Benito. Defensive end out of Oklahoma, one of the more athletic pass rushers in college football. They went out and to replace Noah Fant, who they traded to Seattle for Russell Wilson, they went out and got Greg Dolchich, tight end out of UCLA, to help out 
one of their other tight ends, Albert O, out of Missouri. They went out and added more cornerback depth by drafting Damari, Damari Mathis, cornerback out of Pitt. And then they also added more offensive line help by adding Luke Wattenberg out of Washington. And they added more defensive tackle depth by drafting Matt Henningsen out of Wisconsin. So I like where the Denver Broncos are headed. The Denver Broncos, at this point, their roster was already loaded and stacked as it is. I think that they just drafted for depth purposes purposes at this point. And to add to an already really, really good roster with Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. So I really, really like where the Broncos are headed. They have a really, really good roster, a really good a really good young roster mixed with a few veterans like a Russell Wilson, like a DJ Jones. And I really like, like I said before, I really, really like where the Broncos are headed. And they are going and they are going to be in a dog fight with the Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC West. Who knows? I may even pick the Broncos to win the AFC West. You never know. Just a teaser for down the line. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> but, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Next up, I want to talk about the New York Jets. <clears throat> I really like what the New York Jets did in this draft. They went out and got, obviously, the best corner in the draft in Sauce Gardner. They went out and got the best wide, one of the best wide receivers in the draft in Garrett Wilson. They also went and got Jermaine Johnson with the 26th overall pick, who, by the way, I didn't think Jermaine Johnson would fall that far in the draft, but he did anyway. So I like what the Jets did. And also, they went and got one of the best running backs in college football in Brees Hall out of Iowa State. So the Jets, Joe Douglas did a, did a really, really good job with this draft. And he went and got the best corner. He went and got one of the best wide receivers. He went and got one of the more technical pass rushers and the ACC Defensive Player of the Year in Jermaine Johnson. And then to add to that, he went and got Brees Hall. And then he also went and got one of the better tight ends in college football and Jeremy Rutger out of Ohio State. So Joe Douglas not only wanted to improve the defense and get a number one corner like 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 with what Rex Ryan did when the Jets drafted Darrell Revis, Joe Douglas kind of keeps that history going by drafting Sauce Gardner. So I really, really like where the Jets are going. I'm not saying that the Jets are going to make the playoffs, but the New York Jets, you have Denzel, you have Denzel Mims, you have Corey Davis, you have Braxton Berrios, you have Jamison Crowder, and now you have Garrett Wilson. To go alongside C.J. Uzama. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you have John Franklin Myers. You have Carl Lawson, who you signed in free agency last year, who's coming back this year. And to add to that, you have Jermaine Johnson and Ahmad Sauce Gardner to go on the back end of your defense. So I really, really like where the Jets are headed. And I don't believe the Jets are going to make the playoffs this year, but if they continue to add to what they did this year if they continue to, to add to that next year the jets may the jets may possibly win 6 maybe 7 games just just throwing that out there just i'm just saying 
the Jets are headed in a very, very good direction, and I really, really like it. And lastly, and lastly, there's a team that I want to talk about in the NFC. I want to talk about the San Francisco 49ers. We all know the San Francisco 49ers have, have their, their, I don't want to say their, their quarterback conundrum still going on with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, but we all know the 49ers made it to the NFC Championship game last year, and I like what the 49ers did with their draft, drafting drafting defensive end Drake Jackson out of USC, who I really, really liked, by the way, drafting Terion Davis-Price, running back out of LSU, and you always know the 49ers got to draft running backs. You know that because Kyle because Kyle Shanahan runs the kind of system where a Raheem Mostert, a, Je- a, a, a Jeff Wilson, and an Elijah Mitchell can succeed. So you know you know the 49ers got to draft a running back. Also, Danny Gray, one of the fastest wide receivers in college football out of SMU to go next to Brandon Ayuk, to go next to Jawan Jennings, to go next to George Kittle. So you draft more speed to go with with the perimeter weapons that you already have. Also, offensive line help. You can never, ever have enough offensive line depth with Kyle Shanahan and that running game and Jimmy Garoppolo and or Trey Lance, with Trey Lance, whatever, whichever one may start. Also, cornerback. The 49ers had to address the cornerback position. They drafted Samuel Womack out of Toledo, and they drafted Tariq Castro Fields out of Penn, out of Penn State. They needed to add cornerback depth to this roster because the because of the fact that they lost Kawan Williams to the Denver Broncos. So I like what they did there. Also, defensive lineman. They drafted Kalia Davis out of UCF. With the 49ers, they their defense is predicated on their defensive line getting to the quarterback. And you could never, ever have enough defensive line depth when you're John Lynch and the San Francisco 49ers. And just just for the sake of having a quarterback on the roster, they drafted Brock Purdy out of Iowa State. So I like what all of those teams did. I like what the 49ers did. I like what the Chiefs did. I like what the Jets did. And I like what the Broncos did. Broncos, Chiefs, and 49ers are all improving their roster, adding more young depth to what they already have, improving it so that they can better their chances of getting back to a conference championship and 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 or getting to the Super Bowl. But with the Jets, the Jets are improving. They're getting better and better, and they're improving their roster with more young talent for two to three years down the line. So that way, so that way, so that way they can they can give Zach Wilson a chance to succeed. So those are my four teams that I think better their better their chances and are headed in the right directions moving forward as far as the NFL draft goes. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, coming up next, I'm gonna tell you guys why the Western Conference semifinal series between the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies is going to be a long series. And also, while the wide receiver market in the NFL is the is the most important that it's ever been, but also the craziest that it's ever been with this offseason that has taken place. And also, I'm going to tell you guys why the Green Bay Packers did Aaron Rodgers no favors. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Green Bay. And I'm going to explain to you guys why Green Bay did Aaron Rodgers no favors at the receiver position this offseason. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I want to talk about one specific series in mind during this NBA playoffs that 
has been very, very entertaining and interesting to me. And that is the Western Conference semifinals between the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. As we all know, the Golden State Warriors-Memphis Grizzlies series is tied at one game apiece, heading to heading to the heading back to the Chase Center, excuse me, for Game Three Saturday night primetime ABC. Which, by the way, side note, the Chase Center before the Golden State Warriors moved away from Oracle. That Golden State Warriors fan base in general, whether it be at the Chase Center now or at Oracle over the last four to five years, that Golden State Warriors crowd is loud. I mean, I mean, it is so loud it's not even funny. When the it's like when the Warriors get it going, it's like it's just like an avalanche of noise that you can. It's so loud you can you can literally hear it through your TV screen. You can feel it. You can feel it through your TV screen, especially like prime example, 2015 to 2019, before the Warriors left Oracle to go to Chase Center. When the Warriors were on that four or five year run of getting to the, of getting to the NBA Finals, I don't think that there was a louder crowd than that Warriors crowd at Oracle. And when you think about loud crowds in the NBA, you think of the Chesapeake Arena in Oklahoma City when the when the when the when the Oklahoma City Thunder had Kevin Durant, had Russell Westbrook, had James Harden. You think about the New York Knicks last year in the Garden when the Knicks played the Atlanta Hawks and how loud that building is. The Staples Center in the early to in the early 2000s with Shaq and Kobe and Robert Ory hitting the game-winning shot over over Doug Christie in the Western Conference Finals. I mean that just these crowds in the NBA are just so loud it's not even funny. But that 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 Golden State Warriors crowd is just unbelievably loud and. It it is there's a very small list of there's a very small list of fan bases in the NBA that you can literally sit there and watch and say that crowd is loud and when they get loud it's like an avalanche. So just wanted to throw that that side note in there. But I want to talk about this Golden State Warriors Memphis Grizzlies series. And as we all know what happened in game one. Draymond Green got ejected in game one. That's number one. Klay Thompson misses two free throws. That's number two, which Klay Thompson rarely does. He rare, he rarely misses. You rarely see Klay Thompson miss two free throws to put a game away. So in your mind, you're like, wow, damn, okay. That doesn't happen very often. And then Steph Curry, normally with Steph Curry and the Warriors, when it's time for them to put a game away and clinch a game and just and just put it on ice, Steph Curry normally comes up big and he bangs at least one big-time three-pointer from the parking lot to put a game away. Steph missed about three or four wide-open threes to put the game away in game one. But with all of that happening, with all of that occurring, the Warriors still found a way to win that game. Draymond Green getting ejected. 
Um, Steph Curry missing about three or four wide open threes to put the game away. Klay Thompson clanking two free throws at the end of the game. And yet Memphis still couldn't take advantage of it. But then Memphis comes back in game two. And three minutes into the game, Dylan Brooks just whacks Gary Payton, Gary Payton the second in the head, causing him to try to break his fall with his left elbow. Now Gary Payton is out for a few weeks with a fracture in his elbow. But the one thing that I'm taking away from this series that a lot of people really aren't paying that much attention to, and a lot of people really, really need to pay attention to this. Went on the interweb a little bit, did a little bit of research, you know, and I looked up a few things. Number one, the Memphis Grizzlies are not a three-point shooting basketball team, okay? They're not really that good at shooting three-pointers. Why do I say that? The Golden State Warriors rank fourth in the NBA in three-point percentage at 36.7%. The Memphis Grizzlies rank 16th in the NBA at thirty-four at 35.4%. As far as, as far as getting to the free-throw line, the Memphis Grizzlies rank fourth in the league at 23.8 free-throw attempts per game. The Golden State Warriors rank 25th in the league at 20.7 free throw attempts a game. Why do I bring up those numbers? I bring up those numbers because of this, because of these simple facts. There have been times during this series where I where I have watched the Memphis Grizzlies try to go try to go three point shot for three point shot with the Golden State Warriors. I'm gonna tell you right now. If Memphis thinks they're gonna try to, if Memphis thinks they're gonna go toe for toe with Golden State from the three point line, they're gonna get blown out of this series very, very quickly. Memphis's strength is not is not the three point line. Now, when they hit the threes and they make them, then they make them. When Memphis has an opportunity to make their three pointers, they make them and they're effective with them. Jaron Jackson went six for eight from three point range in Game Two. And he put up and he put up 33 points. So at the end of the day, when Memphis has a chance to hit their three hit their three point shots, and they get streaky, they can get really streaky and make them. But that's not their game. As I just read the numbers to you guys, Memphis's game is driving to the basket, being aggressive, getting to the free throw line, getting to the free throw line almost 30 times a game. That's Memphis's game. Golden State's game, which is what Golden State has been for the last six years, spacing you out, shooting the three, burying three-pointers in your face. Memphis's game is being aggressive. Why do, why do people think Golden State is so small? Why do people think that John Moran has, has had so much success in getting to the basket so much? Because Golden State doesn't have the size to compete with Memphis getting to the basket so much, which is why it blows my mind a lot of the time why Memphis is trying to go shot, is trying to go three point shot for three point shot with the Warriors. You're not Golden State, Memphis. Stick to who you are. And that's getting to the free throw line. And when you have the opportunity to shoot the three ball, you shoot it from time to time and you make it. Because you because because you you have the three point shooters 
from time to time, like a Kyle Anderson, like a Dylan Brooks, like a Desmond Bain, to hit those threes. John Morant is not that great of a three-point shooter. He's not. So bottom line is Memphis, stick to who you are. Stick to stick to play play your game. Don't try to play don't try to play Golden State's game because you because if you do, you're gonna lose. It's just that simple. Next up, I want to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Oh, excuse me. Um, I'm sorry. I want to talk about the wide receiver position in the NFL. And I want to talk about why the wide receiver position has just been so just I've never seen so many wide receivers. I've never seen so many wide receivers look and feel as important as they and as important as they felt this offseason. And why do I say that? Devontae Adams traded to the Las Vegas Raiders from the Green Bay Packers, and he all of a sudden gets a four, and right after that, he gets a five-year, $140 million contract. Tyreek Hill gets traded from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins, and then, he, then after that gets a four-year, $120 million contract. A.J. Brown gets traded from the Tennessee Titans to the Philadelphia Eagles. Right after that, he gets a four-year, $100 million contract. Stephon Diggs, earlier on this offseason, signed a new four-year, $96 million contract. Christian Kirk, four-year, $72 million from the Jacksonville Jaguars. The wide receiver position, and and it's just this damn simple in the NFL. You have to have playmakers at the wide receiver position. It does not matter how talented of a quarterback you have. If you do not surround your quarterback with talent, with perimeter weapons, with wide receiver talent, you are going to lose. That's why teams like the Raiders gave Derek Carr his college teammate in Devontae Adams. That's why the Miami Dolphins went and got Tua Tyreek Hill. That's why the the Jacksonville Jaguars went and got Christian Kirk. You have to give your quarterback a chance to succeed. And giving him a chance to succeed is getting him weapons. And I have never in my life seen the receiver position look as valuable and look as important as it looks now. Because like I said before, you need weapons in the NFL. You need big-time weapons. It used to be... Well, we're going to wait till the draft to get a wide receiver. But now, also, here's the other thing with the wide receiver position that a lot of people really aren't paying attention to. With guys like A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, what are teams doing? Teams like teams like Green Bay, teams like the Chiefs, and teams like the Titans, they don't want to pay these wide receivers big-time money. So what do they do? They they trade they trade guys like Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown, they trade them to other teams who will be willing to pay them. And what do teams like Green Bay and the Chiefs and the Titans do? And the Raiders do, or excuse me, the, uh, the Packers, Chiefs, and the Titans do. They replace a Devontae Adams, a Tyreek Hill, and A.J. Brown with younger, cheaper talent. So the wide receiver position is has become so much more important as far as it, as far as having elite wide receiver talent on your roster now and going to get it in the draft just in case you lose it in free agency via trade 
it's becoming so important now because of the simple fact of you need it. You just, you need it. If you're Derek Carr, you need it. If you're Tua Tagovailoa, you need it. If you're Jalen Hurts, you need it. And if you don't have it, your quarterback is going to fail. And it is just that simple. The wide receiver position has become almost a, almost as important, almost, probably a couple notches below, but it's become a couple of notches below important as the quarterback position or as the pass rusher or as the offensive line. It is very, very important, and it needs and and it's never become more important than this offseason with all the wide receiver moves that have taken place. Next up, the Green Bay Packers. Speaking of the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers did Aaron Rodgers no favors in this draft, okay? They just didn't, period. I get it. They went and got Romeo Dubs, wide receiver out of Nevada, and they went and got Christian Watson, wide receiver out of North Dakota State in the first round. But at the end of the day, bottom line is this. You went and you got Christian Watson, you went and got Romeo Dobbs, but you went and got Sammy Watkins, who's injury prone. You kept Randall Cobb, who's injury prone, but then you still have Alan Lazard. You still have Malik Turner. You still, or, 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 or um, excuse me, um, Malik Taylor. You still have Amari Rodgers. What is Aaron Rodgers supposed to do with that receiving core? He has two guys who's injury prone and two young rookie wide receivers who he's going to have to rely on moving forward and build and build chemistry with. I said this, I said this a couple of shows ago. Aaron Rodgers had to had to had to had to be possibly pulling his hair out. And I get it. Green Bay doesn't draft wide receivers in the first round. I get it. But at the end of the day, bottom line is this, what Green Bay's going to have to do, Green Bay's probably going to have to win games 20 to 17, 24 to 21. They're going to probably have to win games 26 to 23. And maybe on occasion, maybe on a two or three game stretch, if that receiving core with Christian Watson, with Romeo Dobbs, with Alan Lazard, with Randall Cobb, with Sammy Watkins, with Amari Rodgers, if they're feeling it on that day or during that two or three game stretch, maybe they'll win a shootout 34-31. Maybe. But I highly doubt it. So like I said before, you could have you could have gotten a Chris Olave. You could have gotten a Jamison Williams. But at the end of the day, Green Bay did what they had to do as far as the receiving core goes. And they're going to have to rely on on Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs to step up to replace Devontae Adams, and they very well and they very well may do that. They very they they very may well end up producing for the Green Bay Packers and producing for Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think that they're going to be able to produce enough to the point where they're going to have to, they're going to have enough chemistry built with Aaron Rodgers to the point where Green Bay. Is going, to, is, is going to be able to fight and get back to the playoffs. Like I said before, Green Bay, in my opinion, did Aaron Rodgers no favors 
no favorites this offseason at the wide receiver position. And that's just my thoughts on that. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. In honor of the 2022 draft that just ended and took place, in honor of the NFL draft, I bring up the year 1998. And why do I bring up the year 1998? Because that is the year that one of the one of the more bigger, I guess you could say, misses in NFL history took place. Uh, I don't know. Um, help me out a little bit. There was some some guy in Texas who passed on a certain wide receiver. And that guy went on to become one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game of football. Oh, got it. Got you. Don't worry about it. I got y'all. The 1998 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys passed on Marshall wide receiver Randy Moss. That was one of the biggest misses in the history of the National Football League. Jerry Jones will probably never, ever admit it. I'll probably never ever admit it. And to 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 re to refresh a lot of you guys' memory, let's go back to that nineteen ninety-eight draft class, okay? Okay, let's take a stroll down memory lane real quick. That nineteen that nineteen ninety eight NFL draft featured Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf, Charles Woodson, Kyle Turley, Greg Ellis who the Dallas Cowboys took at number eight overall over Randy Moss, Dwayne Starks, Keith Brooking to kill Spikes, Vonnie Holiday. You guys get my drift. You guys get where I'm going with this. But let's flip the script for a second. With that number eight overall pick, let's say the Dallas Cowboys don't pass on Randy Moss and they actually take him with the number eight overall pick. Okay, let's say they take him. Had the Cowboys drafted Randy Moss in 1998, does Randy still have the same success in Dallas that he had in Minnesota and that he had and that he had with New England? Here's the other question. If Randy gets drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, does he does he ultimately end up still getting getting traded? to teams like the Raiders or teams like the Patriots? Or does he stay a Dallas Cowboy his entire career? If if Dallas drafts Jerry if Dallas drafts Randy Moss, does Jerry Jones even ever allow Randy Moss to leave the Dallas Cowboys via trade? Does 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 Jerry Jones even allow Randy Moss to possibly leave via free agency down the line? We will never ever know the answer to these questions. What if the Dallas Cowboys had drafted Randy? Here's my thing. I don't know. I honestly don't know if Randy still has the same success in Dallas that he had in Minnesota with Randall Cunningham. Now, a lot of people forget about his Minnesota years, and rightfully so. He was he was playing with guy he was playing with quarterbacks like Bar, like Mark Tuiasa Sopo. I mean, come on, man. Like, I mean, like, really, come on. And Kerry Collins, 
No disrespect. But come on now. Then he ended up in New England with Tom Brady. The greatest of all time. And he put up the greatest statistical season at the receiver position that you will ever see that you will ever see from a wide receiver. So if da- if Randy drafts da- if da- if Dallas drafts Randy, I honestly don't know if Randy number 1 ever has the success that he had in Minnesota. Number 2, I don't know if Randy ever ends up getting traded from the Dallas Cowboys cuz I don't think Jerry Jones ever let I don't think Jerry Jones ever even thinks about doing that. And number 2, I don't I don't I probably I don't even think Jerry Jones probably even lets Randy Moss get the free agency. But then again, that's why this is what if. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at quietsoul24, Q-U-I-E-T-S-O-U-L-24. Again, that's Q-U-I-E-T-S-O-U-L-24. You can follow me on Facebook at Jared Dawkins, J-A-R-E-D, Dawkins, D-A-W. K-I-N-S. If you have any, if you have any sports questions that you would like to ask me, you can e- you can email me your sports questions at, at, at my email at jdawkins24 at yahoo.com. Lowercase J, lowercase D-A-W-K-I-N-S 24, the at symbol yahoo.com. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm out. Peace.